0: Hello this is Diksha from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Sunday the 23rd of May. India recorded over 240,000 cases of COVID-19 and more than 3,700 deaths in the last 24 hours. The total COVID tally stood at the 2 crore 65 lakh mark while the death toll inched closer to 3 lakh. These figures have been suspected to be heavy undercounts. Globally COVID-19 has infected more than 166 million people so far, claiming the lives of more than 3.4 million. A new study by the United Kingdom has found that two doses of COVID vaccines offer strong protection against the B.1.617 variant of the virus first detected in India. According to the Financial Times, the data indicates that two doses offer 81% protection against the variant as compared to 33% protection offered by a single dose. The Union Health Ministry said in a statement today that 1.90 crore vaccine doses were still available with states and union territories, even as multiple states have halted their vaccination programmes due to a shortage of vaccines. The central government yesterday urged medical professionals to stop the irrational use of steroids to treat COVID patients, adding that it was contributing to the increase in cases of mucormycosis or black fungus. According to the government, there are currently more than 8,800 cases of black fungus across the country. Delhi Chief Minister Arvind K. Jival said today that the lockdown in the capital has been extended again till May 31. The CM added, however, that if COVID cases in the city continue to decline, the lockdown might be eased in a phased manner after May 31. In Uttarakhand, the COVID control room said today that more than 2,000 children below the age of 9 and more than 8,600 children between 10 and 19 years of age contracted COVID in the state between May 1 and May 20. Until yesterday, the state reported seven deaths due to black fungus according to official data. Our story of the week this time is the sinking of barge P305 when cyclone Taute hit the Arabian Sea. We shall come back to this later in the episode. Cyclone Yas, which formed due to a low-pressure area over east-central bay of Bengal yesterday, is likely to turn into a very severe storm by May 25, according to the Indian Meteorological Department. The cyclone will move north to northwestwards and reach the coasts of West Bengal, North Odisha, and Bangladesh on the morning of May 26. It is expected to cross these areas that evening. The director of the Regional Meteorological Centre in Kolkata said that wind speeds are expected to reach 90 to 100 km per hour, increasing to 110 km per hour from May 26. The IMD said Gangetic West Bengal and North Odisha are likely to get light to moderate rainfall, with isolated areas receiving heavy showers on May 25 and 26. The rainfall is likely to intensify in Bengal. The agency has advised fishermen not to venture into the southeast and east-central bay of Bengal and Andaman Sea. An IMD official said that eight flood relief teams and four diving teams have been deployed in risk-prone areas. Yesterday, Cabinet Secretary Rajiv Goba chaired a meeting of the National Crisis Management Committee to discuss preparations for the cyclone. Goba directed concerned states to ensure that all boats and marine vessels return before the storm hits India's eastern shore on May 26. Cyclone Yas comes days after Cyclone Tao which caused destruction in multiple states, including Maharashtra and Gujarat, leading to around 57 deaths in the two states. The Indian Medical Association yesterday demanded that the central government take action against Baba Ramdev over his comments about modern medicine. The association took strong exception to Ramdev describing modern medicine as a stupid science. Claiming that DCGI-approved drugs like Remdesivir and Favipiravir had failed in treating COVID, Ramdev said, and I quote, Lacks of patients have died because of allopathic medicines rather than a shortage of oxygen, unquote. In response, The IMA demanded that Ramdev either be booked under the Epidemic Diseases Act or accept his claims and dissolve modern medical facilities. The body added that under the Epidemic Diseases Act, Ramdev deserves to be prosecuted for disobeying and causing danger to the lives of many by encouraging people not to take allopathic drugs. Pointing out that 1,200 doctors have died in India while fighting COVID, the IMA said that it would go to court if Health Minister Harshvardhan does not take Suomoto action against Ramdev. Ramdev's Patanjali responded to the criticism by saying that his remarks had been taken out of context. Patanjali also claimed that Ramdev has no ill will towards modern science and its practitioners. The video of his comments had been truncated, Patanjali alleged, adding that Ramdev had been reading out a WhatsApp forward about allopathy at a private event. But this isn't the first time this year that Ramdev has found himself at the centre of a controversy with practitioners of modern medicine. In February, he promoted Patanjali's medicine, called Coronil as the first evidence-based medicine for COVID-19. His claims were false, even as Health Minister Harshvardhan attended the event on Coronil, At the time, the IMA had criticised the central government's endorsement of an unscientific product. Ramdev's claims were far taller than this, though. He had said that the World Health Organization had given Koronil a license for sale in more than 150 countries. The WHO had later junked his claims. In another instance, on May 4, Ramdev told the media that Patanjali runs a COVID centre in Haridwar with 150 oxygen beds, ventilators and a full-fledged ICU for critical COVID patients. The centre, set up in collaboration with the Uttarakhand government, was inaugurated on May 3 and plenty of TV news channels stepped up to give Ramdev a platform to talk it up. Unsurprisingly, his claims were literally too good to be true. Our reporters Ayush and Basant visited the centre and found a non-functional ICU ward, no ventilators and an acute shortage of doctors and staff. The COVID wards didn't have roofs and even the x-ray machine did not have a technician to operate it read their report on newslaundry.com. It is titled, Baba Ramdev's Haridwar Covid Centre is all talk and no trousers. Why then did news channels uncritically allow Ramdev to parrot his claims? For starters, Patanjali has lately been one of the biggest advertisers on TV news channels. But unlike other media houses, we don't rely on Patanjali for ads and we don't need to platform Ramdev's dubious claims. Instead, our work is powered by our subscribers which allows us to ask tough questions and report on what matters. Help us tell more of these stories by visiting newslaundry.com and hitting that subscribe button on the top right corner. A basic subscription costs just 300 rupees a month. After a video went viral of an IAS officer in Chhattisgarh slapping a man for violating lockdown rules, the state's chief minister Bhupesh Baghel today removed the officer from his post. In the video, the collector of Surajpur district, Ranbir Sharma, was seen slapping a man while enforcing COVID restrictions in the district. Police officers then beat the man on Sharma's instruction. The video was widely shared on social media and was condemned by the IS Officers Association. Sharma apologised for his actions while defending them. He said, and I quote, He was a 23-year-old man over-speeding on a sports bike. He had a fake slip which claimed it was for vaccination. We have to be a little strict with people to ensure that lockdown norms are followed. However, I apologise for my behaviour today." Indian wrestler and Olympic medalist Sushil Kumar, who was wanted for his alleged involvement in a murder case, was arrested by the Delhi police this morning. The police said that the wrestler had evaded arrest for nearly 20 days. Co-accused in the case, Kumar from Delhi's Mundka, was also arrested today. Sushil Kumar was arrested in connection with the death of a 23-year-old wrestler, Sagar Rana, at a stadium in Delhi on May 4. The police said that Sushil and his associates had assaulted Sagar, who was then hospitalised and later succumbed to his injuries. The police had announced a reward of Rs 1 lakh for information that would lead to Sushil Kumar's arrest. The wrestler had approached the Rohini Court seeking protection from arrest, claiming that the probe against him was biased and the injuries to the victim could not be attributed to him. The court had dismissed his anticipatory bail plea. Coming back to our story of the week. Six days ago, barge P-305, which had 261 crew members on board, sank off the coast of Mumbai when Cyclone Taute ripped through the Arabian Sea on May 17. The tragedy left over 66 crew members dead, while 20 are still missing. P-305 served as accommodation for workers contractually employed on oil rigs and platforms of the Oil and Natural Gas Corporation or ONGC. From Monday onward, the Indian Navy initiated search and rescue operations, rescuing 186 workers and recovering 66 bodies. The barge's wreckage was found by INS Makar yesterday. But why did P-305 sink? Unlike other barges, the vessel did not return to the shore. Despite ONGC receiving cyclone warnings on May 11 and 13, the barge's chief engineer claimed that the vessel's captain or master also ignored warnings of bad weather. Survivors and families of those dead or missing have demanded accountability from ONGC, which in turn had contracted multiple companies for its offshore project. They believe it wasn't a natural disaster that led to the tragedy, it was negligence. My colleague Tanishka and I spoke to survivors who described their ordeal of fighting for their lives in the sea, waiting to be rescued. 32-year-old Naresh Kharatmol told us, and I quote, I was in the water for 12 hours, wondering when I would die. The faces of my children kept flashing in front of my eyes, unquote. Like other survivors who had to jump off the sinking barge, Naresh faced fierce winds with speeds of nearly 200 kilometers per hour and waves as high as 10 meters. His 22-year-old roommate on P305, Sorab, is one of those still missing. Naresh holds all the big companies responsible for the loss of innocent lives. At the mortuary of Mumbai's JJ Hospital on Thursday, we also met Man and Satyendra Singh, who were tasked with identifying the body of their brother Upendra. Man and Satyendra had been staying on a barge called Trinity Nisi, right next to P305, except that their barge had returned to the shore after warnings were sounded for the impending cyclone. Mann believes that AFCON's infrastructure, a company contracted by ONGC for the project, chose to keep the barge in open water to save a few lakhs, since the project was due to be completed in a couple of days. Man said, and I quote, This is murder. It is not a tragedy. Just for some money and some gains. Unquote. ONGC and the contracted companies have laid the blame for the disaster on the barge captain Balvinder Singh, whom they claim decided not to return to the shore. An FIR has also been registered against Singh in Mumbai, but he's still missing in the sea. To know more, read our detailed report on newslaundry.com titled, This is murder, not a tragedy. Did negligence cause the P305 disaster? Let's move on to the international news. Mount Gongo, a volcano in the Central African country of the Democratic Republic of Congo, erupted yesterday for the first time in nearly two decades. The country's government urged residents of the eastern city of Goma overlooking the volcano to evacuate after the eruption. According to news agency AFP, lava from the volcano approached Goma's airport late on Saturday. Thousands of residents carrying mattresses and other belongings fled the border city on foot, many towards the frontier of Rwanda. According to Reuters, Rwanda's ministry in charge of emergency management said that more than 3,500 Congolese have crossed the border. Rwandan state media said that they would be lodged in schools and places of worship. The Prime Minister of Democratic Republic of Congo convened an emergency meeting in the capital, Kinshasa, where the government activated an evacuation plan for Goma. The volcano Nyiragongo last erupted in 2002, killing 250 people and leaving 120,000 homeless. That's all the news we have for you today. Stay safe wherever you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent